I'm Olivia Ledbury. And I'm Emily Morrison. Today we'll be talking about The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. This book follows the lives of two men that have never met and how their own personal challenges affected the other. Daniel Burnham was the architect in charge of constructing the World's Columbian Exposition held in Chicago in 1893. This exposition is more commonly known as the World's Fair and was a huge cultural event in American history. People traveled from all over the country to come enjoy the fair and see the amazing Ferris wheel in its first debut. However, we will be focusing on the life of another man featured in the book, a serial killer known as H.H. Holmes who used the publicity of the fair to his advantage by building the World's Fair Hotel, now more commonly known as the Murder Castle, where he savagely killed women, men, and children alike. Officially, Holmes has only been linked to nine murders, but he is suspected of up to 200. Herman Mudgett Webster, more commonly known as H.H. H. Holmes, was a serial murderer and conman from the 1890s. He changed his name from Mudgett to Holmes when he had moved from Philadelphia to Chicago. He left Philadelphia immediately under the name Mudgett as a child who received drugs from the store he worked at had died. He realized in order to get a license to work at a drugstore in Chicago, he needed to change his name. He had many aliases, some of which were Henry Gordon, Alexander Bond, Henry Manfield Howard, and Alex E. Cook. He used these names to aid him in committing insurance fraud and forgery, among other kinds of financial crimes. He once tricked one of his wives and Minnie Williams into signing over her entire wealth, land in Fort Worth, to him under a fake name, Alexander Bond. While the book focuses on his crimes during the World's Fair in Chicago, Holmes traveled all over the country committing heinous acts of some which were Detroit, Englewood, Fort Worth, Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Toronto. Most notable would be Toronto, where the bodies of children Alice and Nellie Peitzel were found in a cellar of a house once owned by Holmes. They were found buried in, and in coffins by Detective Frank Geyer, who was in charge of the investigation against Holmes. He also committed insurance fraud in Englewood and Fort Worth by taking advantage of two different women. He traveled all over the East Coast using different names and committing crimes everywhere he went leaving a trail of dishonesty and violence behind him that eventually caught up. Holmes married many times. Some of these wives were not officially recorded by the state. As with Minnie Williams, whom he used to gain her inheritance, he told her he would marry her, was regarded to everyone as her husband, and even held a small ceremony but was not legally attached to her. Georgiana Yoke, one of Holmes's wives, traveled with him when he was transporting two of his child victims, Nellie and Alice Peitzel, daughters of his business partner, Ben Peitzel. Yoke was not harmed by Holmes, leading some to believe that he was capable of love, debunking his standing as a psychopath, as those who are truly psychopaths are not usually capable of loving anything. However, a more realistic theory is that he became obsessed with the women he married, as all of his legal wives never became victims of the violent crimes. He also married two other women named Clara Levering and Myrna Belknap, whom he married during his stay in Inglewood and neglected to tell he was already married to Levering. He married to both these women at the time of his engagement to Minnie Williams and had fathered a child with them both. He had married Levering very young, and while his name was still Mudgett, he abandoned his family without an explanation. Holmes had often described himself as the devil and claimed that his physical form had changed to resemble that of the devil's. Larson had also wrote, strange things began to happen that made Holmes' claims about being the devil seem almost plausible. Events had been occurring, such as the suicide of the warden of Moya Mensing Prison, the prison in which Holmes was head. In addition, Detective Geyer felt extremely ill, the priest who delivered Holmes last night was found dead of mysterious causes, and the father of Emmeline Segrand was horribly burned. Each time Holmes had committed a murder, he had formed a relationship with the victim beforehand. When he had moved to Chicago and took ownership of the drugstore, he turned the building into some sort of a hotel. When the Connor family had moved in, Ned, Julia, and their daughter Pearl, he got close with the family. He sold into the store and expressed a deep interest into the two females. When Holmes and Julia had gotten closer, Julia and Ned's marriage had begun to deteriorate. He had promised Julia marriage. After the two officially divorced, Holmes' interest began to decrease. When Julia got pregnant, she brought up the marriage once more, but Holmes would only agree if she agreed to let him perform an abortion on her, as he was a physician, and he could. When she agreed, he chloroformed both her and her daughter and killed them, selling their bodies to somebody he knew who would strip their bodies of their flesh.
For Emmeline Segrand, a similar process occurred. Upon hearing about her beauty, Holmes offered her a job as his personal secretary for twice the salary she was receiving before. He took her on all kinds of date-like outings, and she fell in love with him. He promised her that they would get married and go on a beautiful European honeymoon. Instead of marrying her, he locked her in an airtight vault so that she would suffocate. When police had conducted an investigation, they found a footprint on the inside of the vault door. The police believed that Holmes had covered the floor in chemicals that would increase the speed in which the air was sucked from the room, and after Emmeline stepped in said chemicals, she kicked the door and left behind a footprint. It wasn't different with the Williams sisters, either. While traveling in Boston under the alias Henry Gordon, he met Minnie Williams, but she called him Harry. Of course, she fell in love with him. She moved to Chicago to be with him and became his stenographer. Anna, Minnie's sister, was suspicious of their relationship. Holmes requested that they invite Anna up to see the fair, courtesy of Holmes. He promised to marry Minnie and promised that they'd go on a voyage to Europe. He locked Anna in a vault and killed her via gas first and went to marry Minnie privately, although there was no record of their marriage. The next four victims, Benjamin Peitzel and his children Nellie, Alice, and Howard, were slightly different. Holmes stated that when he met Peitzel, he knew for sure that Peitzel and his family would serve as his victims, despite the fact that he trusted Peitzel. He admitted that if he was not caught and arrested, the remaining survivors of the Peitzel family would have been killed as well. He was partners with Benjamin in an insurance scam. They were to fake Peitzel's death and collect the money that resulted to split between them. Holmes then murdered Peitzel for real and traveled across the country with the three of the five Peitzel children to identify the body. It was then that Holmes had to rid of the excess weight, the children. Holmes was a highly functional member of society. He owned many businesses and successfully ran them. He opened the World's Fair Hotel and kept guests there, unknowing of the sinister events occurring right in the very same building. Not only this, but he would have had to have a lot of charisma in order to manipulate his victims as he did and his associates into silence. H.H. also graduated from the University of Michigan and had a degree in medicine and surgery. This allowed him to practice pharmacy and other forms of medicine, benefiting him in the sense that people around him were more likely to trust him since he was a doctor. Holmes had seemed to take a certain liking to the idea of a kiln, not unlike that of a crematory for dead bodies. After everyone had fallen asleep at night, Holmes had gone down to the basement, fired up the kiln, and marveled at the heat it put off. But, with his victims, Holmes had liked to be near enough so that he was able to hear the death and panic approaching, but not feel the heat. Along with the kiln, Holmes also liked putting his victims in vaults. The vault was able to mask most of the pounding and the screams, but not all. Larson wrote that this was the time he most craved. It brought him a period of sexual release that seemed to last for hours, even though in fact the screams and pleading faded rather quickly. When the hotel was busy, he used chloroform on his victims or filled the rooms with gas while they slept. When the police had decided to investigate the murder castle, Larson wrote that they found a vat of acid with eight ribs and part of a skull settled at the bottom, knobs of quicklime, a large kin, and a dissection table stained with what seemed to be blood. They found surgical tools and charred high heel shoes. Articles of clothing emerged from walls and from pits of ash and quicklime, including a girl's dress and blood-stained overalls. Human hair clotted a stovepipe. The searchers unearthed two buried vaults full of quicklime and human remains. One of the most striking discoveries came on the second floor in the walk-in vault. The inside of the door showed the unmistakable imprint of a woman's bare foot, Emmeline Segrand. They had found 18 rooms from the torso of a child, several vertebrae, a bone from a foot, one shoulder blade, and one hip socket. In November 1894, Holmes was arrested in Boston after outrunning police for months. He was arrested for the murder of Ben Peitzel and later confessed to killing 27 people, some of whom were found to be still living. He was eventually charged in 1895 and hung for the murders of the Peitzel family. Ben and his children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, Frank Geyer, lead detective of the Holmes case, was also heavily featured throughout the book with his challenges in tracking down Holmes and racing to hopefully find the children alive. Unfortunately, he caught up with him too late. Many believe it is possible that Holmes killed over 200 people. These claims are said to be exaggerated although it was widely accepted that we may never know exactly how many lives were taken by the devil. 
When at a younger age, Holmes had acquired a job working in Norristown Asylum. Holmes had stated that his job was his first experience among people that were insane. Larson said that Holmes quickly quit days after and he wrote that he sometimes still saw their faces in his sleep. The first Ferris wheel appeared at the World's Fair in Chicago, the idea brought on by George Ferris. The wheel quickly became the most popular attraction present and the amount of riders per day up in the thousands. As it is now, the Ferris wheel was popular among couples back then as well. Larson described it as a vector for love, and many couples had asked for the ability to be married at the top of the wheel. However, the requests had always been rejected. Holmes was a man with well-thought-out plans, including his burial process. He was scared that his body would be stolen after his execution, so he left specific instructions for his lawyers. Upon being hanged, his request that his coffin be filled with cement before and after his body was placed. The same process took place when his coffin was lowered into the ground as well. He was often compared with other infamous serial killers. Jack the Ripper was a murderer who terrorized the streets of London a few years prior to the event of this book. Larson often alludes to him as a figure of terror that the citizens of Chicago didn't believe would ever be found in their hometown. Holmes even began building his hotel of horrors during the same time that the Ripper began killing thousands of miles away in London. People in America were captivated by the stories of Jack's killings. A club even started in Chicago called the Whitechapel Club, named after the area Jack terrorized. The president of the club earned the title The Ripper. Many belonging to this club were journalists, with five brutal and horrifying kills, ending with the prostitute Mary Kelly, who was three months pregnant and barbarically dissected. Jack became the ultimate benchmark for evil. Throughout the book, Holmes is compared to him to truly prove the degree of sinisterism that he acted in. Although Holmes isn't as famous as some other killers in America like Lizzie Borden, his reign of terror as the devil made an impact on the world around us. Unprecedented murder was almost unheard of at the time, and his use and manipulation of the Chicago World's Fair was truly sinister. A place meant to bring joy brought sorrow for so many families distraught by losing a loved one, or in the case of Benjamin Peitzel's widow, an entire family to Holmes' sadistic ways. He is known as America's first serial killer, and due to his destructive methods, we will never truly know how many lives were lost down in the dark depths of the murder castle.